Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Badass Clinician Podcast. I absolutely love this episode. This is an opportunity for me to address some of the false beliefs that I had you know, within the past four years. And I just kind of laid them out, you know, one by one and really faced some of their discomfort, you know, from the past. Most of them or some of them will resonate with one of you guys. And I hope this helped you move forward when it comes to what you're trying to conquer in your personal life and also in your business. I'm Dr. Natty Bandesak. And four years ago, I started my business from scratch and built it to a seven-figure business. Now, I'm going to share the path I took to get there. Head over to badassclinicians.com to find out more. I recently just learned, and I, I've learned this after I, you know, my, my dad passed away in 2019, was um, money doesn't solve all your problems. It's only solved your money problem. And that's the fall belief that I have. I always think like, well, I can always work more. I can always hustle more. I can always grind more. I can always make more money. It might solve like some of the money problem that you have as far as bill and stability, but as far as health relationship and how you interact with people, money doesn't really solve any of that. So I had to really get uncomfortable with viewing my relationship with money. And it was, it was unhealthy because I would just, you know, like when my wife and I first met, she pointed this out where Every time we go on a date, and because I didn't have any money back in the day, I always always bring up like free stuff. We should go on this free thing. We should go do this free stuff. And 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 to me, it's like wow. Like I I didn't realize that until someone pointed out. And now, you know, I I'm constantly fighting back that gremlin where I think like money just control everything, but it doesn't. So, you know, like what I'm trying to get into a point where you know I look at money just another source of energy, a, a, a source of almost like resources to help me achieve bigger goals, right? So now the fact that we have more revenue with the business, I get to have an opportunity to hire someone that can do a way better job. I get to employ people that can be creative and do their craft better than I would. I get to help more people by employing the right clinician, right? I get to help more patient by sending them the right message on YouTube, using podcasts, doing content like this. I have, I get to help more business owners to overcome some of their false beliefs, right? So to me, that's really the best part about having money is, is your ability to do things with it to create a greater impact. So rather than it's just being only self-serving, and I think, again, you need to have, you need to indulge a little bit in order to make everything's worth it. But there's a point of indulgement where the bell curve kind of go down south and you just indulging and you just committing gluttony like you you can only eat so much until you're full and then after that you're just you just feel like crap right so i think it's the same thing when it comes to money so having a good relationship with money will probably and i i already feel it it's helped me attract the right kind of people in my life and those people create such a huge impact in other people's lives and i want to do the same this is a huge personal favorite of mine uh when it comes to false belief is that if i'm not treating i'm not making money so that's a big thing, especially when, when, when you grew up in you know, the family dynamic that I have, you know, immigrated here and, you know, we didn't have anything. Like, I mean, we, we used to pick up cans, soda cans to take to ShopRite and then to put them in a machine to make, to, to get five cents, right? So this is the kind of back uh, upbringing that I had. So everything was all about money. How do I make money? What do I do? If the job's doing this and I don't make money, why am I doing it, right? So the first time I wrestled with this was when I had to write an email. I'm like, wait, why am I writing an email when I could be treating a patient right now? Because I don't see the money right then and there up front. I don't see the cash transaction. I can't wrap my head around it to say that I'm actually going to make money, if not even more down the road, because these are tasks that will get 
more people in the door. So if you're doing a one-on-one treatment, right, you can only serve one person and your dollar value is capped to that one hour. But if you're doing a high leverage task, as like for me, the, the, the biggest high leverage task I've done this past year was written a book. So I wrote a book on, on ACL rehab and that took me a long time to do so. And if I have to do a calculation based on the hour that I spend to write and the editing and all that stuff, it would probably cost me close to $10,000 in hourly wages, right? And for me to overcome that, I'm like, hey, it's gonna cost me $10,000, but the potential, the upside of this book and the impact that this book gonna have and how many people I can help is, is massive. So from a math standpoint, me pretty much giving up $10,000 to write that book have brought me back four times as much within less than six months. So within that book, the book is, is a truly passive income thing where I put on Amazon and we sell copies when I'm sleeping, right? So that's A, that's the first leverage. Second thing is it's a great place for me to connect with patients and potential patients that are most likely gonna come in and buy big packages from us. Like I have sold 10, 10 packages, I have sold 20 session packages of this. And then the 22nd packages is, you know, close to $10,000. That's right then and there, I made my money back, right? So do not get caught in trading your time for money. At some point, you need to upgrade that. And I, I needed to do that. And I wrestle with this every day to make sure that the job that I do, the content I create, everything that I do has a good multiplier and a good outcome and a good pretty much return on investment, especially within my time down the road. So if you're trading time for money, it's okay to do that in the beginning, but make sure as you're planning out of how you want to grow, try to plan out what else you can do with that time besides trading. As a business owner, I'm always just, you know, reflecting on, you know, some some of my personal beliefs and what's what's true and what's not true. And today I just want to share with you guys some of the fall beliefs that I had within this past four-year journey. So the first thing when I first started out was no one was gonna pay for physical therapy. That was a massive fall belief that I had because I was essentially competing against in-network or clinics that were just not charging anything at all. So when I first came out trying to start this as a side hustle, I was charging $80 just because I'm like, all right, it's just $30 more than just what other people are charging when they have to pay their copay. And by that time, I didn't even think people were gonna pay $80. And what I realized that I was reinforcing that false belief because I was in the environment that people are only willing to pay $80 for it, right? So then what I did was like, all right, why don't I just travel and meet other people and ask them what is it that they're charging and how are they able to charge that much and what kind of population are they seeing and what else are they offering? So rather than just being stuck in that environment where I only see patients that are willing to pay $80 per hour, I got to know a clinician that was charging upward of $300 during that time, which is almost unheard of. So I asked them, I reached out to them, I paid them for their time so they can kind of teach me what, what they were doing. And then from there, I was like, okay, I need to craft my message a little bit better. And then from there, as I'm getting more and more comfortable in, in my own skill set, I realized that people are paying more and more elsewhere. I say, okay, you know what? Why don't I charge 120? So from there, I started charging 120, then more people are paying 120. I was like, oh, you know what? That's pretty good. So I left the first gym I was at. It was a powerlifting gym, which no one's paying anything for it because powerlifters are not the most, you know, proactive kind of athletes, right? And this young individual, they're not, they don't, they don't really care about their health as much right now. So when I left and transitioned 
into a CrossFit gym where I started working with, you know, older population who wants to stay fit, who wants to stay competitive. Now they value what I do a little bit more because if I can help them solve their problem and get them to stay active and do the things that they love, they're willing to pay more. And especially if they have more time to spend with me as a doctor of physical therapy compared to other clinics that they have been to. So from there, I, I went from 80 to 120. Now I went from 120 to 150, right? So I was like, all right, 150 is good. This is where I'm, 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 this is where I'm gonna stop. I, I think this is good. I feel really comfortable charging that. During that time, I had an opportunity to open a second location in another gym. And within that gym, there was already uh, an established um, massage therapist there. And you know he he does a lot of hands-on stuff, all of that, and we we got to talking and we have some 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 clinical conversation of like, hey, how do you treat? How do you do this and that? And he said one thing to that really struck out to me in a way where I'm like, wow, I I, I thought I was confident, but this guy is, is way confident than me. He was saying that if I cannot help them, they probably need surgery, and this just went against all my beliefs when it comes to being a clinician because I'm always moving driven and I do hands-on stuff just to get better outcome when we do movement. And the fact that this person only does hands-on stuff and say that he wholeheartedly that believe that he's almost like God gift to earth, that he can't solve this problem, no one else can, and this person needs to get surgery, it's really shattered like, oh my God, I'm not that confident at all. This guy is way confident than, than I am. And by that time, he was charging $200 a session. And here I was, went to all this training, went to all this continuing education, travel all over the place, spending my own money, trying to make this work, charging way less. I was like, well, if he's gonna charge that much and he, this is how he believed, there's no way I can charge less than him because no one's gonna think to come see me. People are gonna perceive that he's more valuable because he charged more. And that's just how it works, right? A Louis Vuitton bag, cost more than a coach bag just because of the brand. And people will pay more and perceive value because of the price. So at that point, I raised my price to 250 just because I, I needed that to be like, hey, if people are gonna come and spend $200, they'll spend an extra $50 to come see me and I can actually help them get them where they need to be, you know, without surgery. So that's really shattered my fall belief on the first one that people wouldn't pay for anything when it comes to that. So that was probably two years ago and another time that we had to raise prices was during the pandemic and we did it because uh, everything was getting more expensive and we really have to up our service in the safety way and the only way to do that is to charge more for what we do and when you charge more for what you do you create almost like an exclusivity for individuals that are coming in so when people feel the exclusivity they kind of feel safe because the place that we had was extremely big and we were seeing one-on-one. -on -one. So people are willing to pay more so that way they feel safe. So for me, that's shattered another false belief that I have when it comes to price ceiling. Fast forward as where we are now, I, I can almost confidently say we're one of the highest you know, price point when it comes to um, cash-based clinic uh, in New Jersey. We charge 349 per session. And we do that because we get to provide the highest quality care and experience for everybody. So. If I can go from charging $80 four years ago to charging $349 right now, you guys listening to this, you have some fall beliefs that you have to address. The price one is the first one you need to address. Second fall belief that I had was, I am the only person that can do this job. 
And when I say this job, it's, it's very broad because as a business owner, you do every single thing. So in the beginning, I learned this from my parents who own a Thai restaurant where they did not want to hire. All they want to do is just do everything themselves. So they would cook, they would answer the phone, they would do delivery. I mean, think about that. Like my dad would leave the kitchen to go do delivery uh, and then come back and cook. Like, like in hindsight, that doesn't make any sense. But exactly what he was doing, that's how I was operating. So I would answer the phone call. I would verify all the insurance. I would call the patient back, talk to them about the service that we do. I would then send out intake form. I would check on intake form. I would check people in. I would check people out. I would schedule them and I would call them the next day to follow up to see how everything is doing. So that's like 10 things I was doing. And I had such a hard time letting go of any of those 10 things just because in my head, I, I was raised that no one is going to do a better job than, than you can, especially when it comes to your business. That is wildly wrong. You know, if I'm doing 10 things and I hire someone to just do the one thing, no matter how good I am at that job, they're going to be better because they have more time. Because they have more time, they have more volume to practice and they have more time to learn to get better at that job. So that's something I had to get, you know, over very quickly. So I hired my first admin who works remotely and the craziest moment I did was I, I used to take a phone, uh, a phone call on another Verizon cell phone and what I did was I hand that phone over to her for her to answer the phone and that was probably like the most nerve wracking thing because now I have no control over that. But it's also the best thing because now I didn't have to wake up at 7 a.m. to answer a call or I don't have to worry about the missed call that that just happened while I'm treating someone. So I was able to offload that. And then I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm not good at those things. Maybe I'm just saying that to myself so I can stay in control. So that way I don't have to offload that. It's not really the mindset that I can do these things. It's just that, no, I just want to control these elements. And in order for me to control it, I have to say that only I can do this job. So that was a huge thing I had to, to overcome. And then from that point, forward, you know, I try to do that with every single task that I have. So the next thing we offload was insurance verification. Now we have someone to do it for us, right? And then we offload billing, right? I mean, billing is dreadful, so I don't ever want to do that ever. And then we offload even email writing with, with, with marketing, right? So I used to write every single email, but then the email would not get written because I didn't have time to write it. So the fact that I was able to get someone as an intern who is now our marketing coordinated out to start off with just writing a weekly email for me. So now this is part of her job that she does you know, every single week, even our mail out newsletter and everything else. Like that's a huge thing. So now I have a higher leverage because I have the right people that can do the job way better than I could. But as a business owner, you got to be able to do all these things. You have to have an idea of how all these work job works. So that way if you need to jump in, you can, but that does, doesn't mean you should. So that's the second fall belief that I had to overcome. Another fall belief that I had was everything need to be perfect before I send it out or before I post it, before I do anything. Again, this is coming from the, the, the need to, um, to control. And, you know, when you want to control something, you want everything to be perfect, right? And nothing is perfect, right? So uh, before, when I used to write email, I would rewrite it, I would read it again and I would send it. And then to the point where I was just paralyzed by over analyzing all these things. So then I say, you know what? Perfectly undone is not as good as imperfectly done. So from that point, I just get to the point where I say, hey, I shift from like, how good was it? I went like, hey, 
Did I get to do what I set out to do? Was it done? Yes or no? Yes. Was it 80% okay? It was? Okay, great. Send it out. And that's the whole thing. That's the mindset I had to shift into. Because, again, going back to the other false belief is that if you think you can do everything really good and you don't have time, you're still not going to do anything well. So you need someone that can dedicate their entire time to do that job and they can do a way better job. So don't get perfect. Just get it done. That's, that's another false belief. Another false belief, this has to do with work culture. So in the beginning, you know, with the original team that we had, we kind of run it as a family style business. And again, it's all going back to my background of my parents owning a family restaurant. So in a family restaurant dynamic, uh, you know, I, it was my parents and my sister. So when someone's at fault, uh, you can't blame anyone because it's family, right? And again, you guys can go back to Thanksgiving dinner, Christmas dinner. Uh, when someone's getting an argument or someone says something that's not polite, the overarching thing is like, oh no, that's okay. He's, he's family. She's family. Just, just let it go. Right. And you cannot bring that into work environment. And in the beginning, uh, the false belief that I had was I have to take the people that was in my, 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 my company at the time and build a culture according to who they were, which is totally wrong. The culture should be established from you, the business owner, of how you want the culture to be. Then you hire people according to your culture, if they fit the culture or not. If you do the other way around, then you just are pleasing everyone. What worse than thinking that you can do everything is thinking that you can control people and that you can change them. That's probably the biggest thing because people are who they are and that's okay. And they they come in with a lot of uh, baggage and as, as do I, but the whole point of having a professional setting is that a group of individuals can come together under the same mission, under the same value, that want to achieve great things. By no means do they have to have the same interests. By no means do they have to have the same uh, hobbies and all of that stuff. Does that mean that they don't have their own personal problem? We all have our own personal problem, but we can come into a place that we can spend time together for six to eight hours and collectively, we can put our different aside and then work on something together to achieve a bigger mission that can create an impact of the world. That should be the standard of a good work culture. And the mistake that I made was trying to please everybody. And then what it does is if I please someone, then I displease someone else, right? So there's no objective measure of the standard, right? Because rather than me being the one who setting the standard, I allow other people to set the standard. And because of that, there's no true measurement. So that's something that I would highly recommend whoever's doing this right now, go back, revamp your core value and hire people accordingly. And then also mentor people according to your core value. If you have someone who's a good fit, but doesn't understand what the core value is or the culture of the company, you have to coach them. You have to mentor them within that, that, that way is that align with your, with your value and, and the work culture. Last big one when it comes to false belief within as a business owner and, and as a business uh, in general is that other businesses are doing better than my business because they have something that I don't have, some sort of silver bullet that I'm not doing. As a human being, we like to compare ourselves of why am I not good enough? Why is that person better than me? And it's really easy for business owner because you're gonna look like, oh, this person, this is business better because they're running ads, because they're doing this. Like, not really. It's um, a combination of things that people are doing. So in the beginning, I used to think like, this is when Facebook ads was like super hot and everyone was getting so much lead for like nothing. I was like, oh man, if all I have to do is know, learn how to make Facebook ads, it will solve all my problem. I'll have people line up outside the door, I get to treat nonstop and I get to hire people. So in reality, that's not true at all. 
there's no such thing as a silver bullet in, in the business. Anything, when you take on something like that, like running ads, you're going to realize that you have a lot of holes in your follow-up process, right? So you can run as much ads as possible, throw money at that problem, but if you don't have a good follow-up process, you're still not getting the return that you want. So the silver bullet in business is just fixing a bunch of small things that is not working and optimize them, then take on another thing that can potentially help your business to then realize that when you take that on, something else is not working and then you have to go back and fix it. So there's no such thing as a silver bullet. If someone's telling you, if someone pitching to you like, you just need to run Facebook ads, you need to run Google ads, you need to do this and that, just the one thing, like that's entirely not true. What I realized too, like all these people that we're offering like these silver bullet kind of advice. If you really dig deeper, you look at, in, into what kind of background they're in, they're in the marketing background and they don't even have a clinic to, to, to begin with. So they're not gonna be able to help you. So before you pick anyone, before you, you, you think something is, is, is it's gonna solve all your problem, do some research and just realize that there's no such thing. So I, I hope you guys enjoy this, this series. Thank you for tuning in. If you like more information, check out badassclinician.com. And if you haven't subscribed, make sure you do so you don't miss an episode. And see you next time.